0: Hello Trojan fans and welcome to the Trojan Blast. Today is January 14th, 2010 and even though we already did a Peristyle podcast this week we wanted to get a special edition in and we call it a Trojan Blast and talk with ESPN's Bruce Feldman who actually broke the story that USC was going to hire a surprise hire Lane Kiffin as the new head coach of the Trojans. Welcome Bruce, how you doing?
1: I'm good, Ryan. It's been a uh, chaotic week for everybody, and I'm sure especially so for Trojan fans.
0: Crazy, crazy times. Well, you were actually down in Orlando when a lot of this stuff was going down with Pete Carroll, right? Or did you get down there yet? What was the story? There it was a coaches' convention? Yeah, the,
1: uh, the American Football Coaches Convention was in Orlando this year, and so I was down there from Sunday till till uh, late Wednesday night. And what was really you know, crazy about this was... I ran into Monty Kiffin around 4.30 Eastern time and talked talked to him for a little bit, and then uh, ended up going out to dinner. And at about 6 o'clock, I got At 6 o'clock Eastern, I get a call from a source I have at Tennessee who just said, Lane's getting a job. And I said, what job? And he said, the USC job. And it just shocked me because at that point, nobody had been talking about Lane. And then you know, I followed it up, and he explained to me, you know, what was going, you know, how this was all going to go down on, on Tennessee side. And, and then, you know, was able to to talk to some folks at SC and it just, it blew me away quite honestly to see, you know, but the big thread here is, you know, whether it's Mike Riley or the names Jack Del Rio come up or, you know, at one point uh, Jeff Fisher, Lane Kiffin's a guy who's been here and the power brokers here know him. And obviously you know, Mike Garrett knows him well, and he is a charismatic guy. You know, and he he stirred things up pretty good in the SEC. And it's a big deal that he can he can bring some of the staff members that he's already brought. Obviously, Ogeron has a big connection to to USC. I mean, I've been around him a bunch. I know how much he not only he and his family like to live in in Southern California, but just you know the reverence that he has for USC and the USC history and and what he thinks the program's about. So. You know, those kinds of things, you know, I got. I understood that. But just, you know, Lane Kiffin jumping from Tennessee to to USC, it, it it was a shocking story for everybody. All these that was all people were talking about at the coaches convention that night. I mean it was
0: it was a surreal atmosphere. I, you yeah, know, you can imagine at those conventions there's coaches that are working, there's some that are probably looking for work and to fight to see a guy like Lane Kiffin, thirty four years old, get his third major uh, head coaching job in either the NFL or college had to be a shock. But even for all of us that were following it, we I mean, we on usafootball.com we were tracking down every lead we could. That that just wasn't a name that came up all that much. There were so many other names out there. I mean, it was mentioned, but never to the point where, oh, that's that could be a serious thing. It just didn't seem like it would be a good fit because he'd only been in Tennessee one year.
1: Yeah, and the part I thought that was, that was kind of vexing to all this was, you know, whoever was going to take this job was going to walk in and have to navigate through a little blindly on the NCAA's, you know, investigation into the Reggie Bush situation. And then you're hiring Lane Kiffin, who's a guy whose reputation, you know, he may not have had a lot more, many more uh, secondary violations than a lot of other coaches have, but all of his have become front-page news because Lane has been so brash and has been. You know, has been in the spotlight so much. And there's a big portion where I think he's almost you know, kind of worn the black hat in the SEC and, and come across as this, as this rogue personality. So you'd wonder, okay, how's the NCAA going to interpret this on that sense? If I were to think of a guy who had you know, just been a head coach for a short period of time, a young, young coach that had USC connections, the guy I thought they would have gone to was Steve Sarkeesian. You know, Sarkesian You can't get much more local than him. He's from Torrance. You know, knew the. You know, came out under Pete Carroll. Strong, strong connections to a lot of people here at USC. Had a nice first year. I mean, took over a team that was 0 and 12, and you know, beat SC and and you know, gave gave LSU fits and won some games there. But uh, but Lane Kiffin, big splashy hire because I think you can. Obviously, Monty Kiffin, as Pete Carroll said. He's the, the, probably the, the greatest defensive mind call, uh, college or football has ever seen. I mean, that's a huge statement. And, and uh, Ogeron knows his way around, around USC. He was the guy who helped uh, Pete Carroll build this thing in terms of stock and the, the talent base. So from that standpoint, those guys you're going to get with Lane Kiffin, whereas you know, with Sark, I'm, I'm not sure that that would have gotten the people as fired up to see the staff he would have brought maybe from, from up there if he would have had the chance to get the job.
0: Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, he'd only been in Washington one year. Uh, we did hear some rumblings that there might have been some language in his contract that would make it a little harder for him to return to USC. Um, you think maybe Tennessee should have put something like that in, his con- in Lane's contract as well, especially with the buyout being as low as it was, $850,000. Uh, that was kind of curious to hear that it was that easy for him to go without the kind of financial penalty you would expect.
1: Yeah, it, it, that is a strange thing, although having said that, you have a, a coach who's very young and had said all these things about wanting to be there, and, and you would have thought they would have secured it a little bit more. That that was a surprising thing to come out of that. But then again, Lane Kiffin even said when he was at Tennessee early on, you know, I'm not making what a lot of the other coaches in my league are making, but I'd rather have that money go to my staff. And so, you know, maybe that's also, you know, something that needs to be considered when you're thinking about the buyout and everything like that. But I think if USC really believed that, okay, this is the guy, I think the Trojan, you know, brass would have found a way to make it happen financially. Now, financially, $15 million for Jack Del Rio, that's a huge, you know, that's obviously a huge chunk of change. But I think if it came down anywhere, you know, south of that, I think USC... If it really believed that they had a guy who was going to do some of the things and win on the level that Pete Carroll has, I think they would have made it work and found a
0: way to. All right, Bruce. Well let's um you know, you were the guy that broke this and a lot of us are watching T V or people are on the internet. When they see the little ticker goes by, according to ESPN's Bruce Feldman, you know, Lane Kiffin's going to be the new head coach at, at USC. Can you take us through maybe the you don't have to reveal sources and stuff, but just your general process of something like that what happens when you have to break a big story like that and what do you have to go through before it comes up and everyone sees it on espn
1: well when you get the tip i mean i obviously like all reporters we're calling sources and checking and you're getting a lot of misinformation and you're hearing from other places um you know people are throwing out names and i think sometimes and i've been in this position a bunch especially in the last couple of weeks where you're on tv or on radio and people are saying who do you think makes sense I mean, when I got down to Orlando, I was sitting with some other reporters who are, I'm friends with, and you just start, you know, they were throwing out names of guys who they thought, you know, that would be a good fit there. And some of the names do make some sense. Now, some of the other names are guys who are successful coaches, and you could never imagine them handling the, uh, the USC stage or the spotlight of Southern California, or they have any connections, and that's the big thing is, is what's the connections here. So, you know, you try to kind of sift through some of that stuff. You're hearing different things. You're hearing things, you know, maybe this is something that's going to work out. This is a, you know, everyone has their own agendas. Well, when I get this call from somebody I know was very credible uh, with, with Wayne Kiffin's side of it, you know, I was shocked. I mean, I just couldn't believe it at first. And then, you know, this person gave me all the details about what was going to go on down a timeline. And from that point, I got the number of somebody to call there uh, to see. You know, I needed another source on that side of it, and then it started to go from there. on That, and then I call. You know, with ESPN because it's such a big company. I mean, my, we're told at least, especially if you work. You know, and you do any of the TV side of things, the first call is uh, their assignment desk, and, and to, tr- to 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 start wheels in motion. So I talked better there and, and basically told them what I knew. And what was about to happen and then you approach it from okay we will have two solid sources because obviously this is a huge story and then go from there and, and reach out to all the contacts you have and and try to reel it in from there it is a really tricky process because a lot of time you may find out something where some of the people you know may not know it's for certain and i think that was the case here just because Somebody told me who was, you know, very close to it and had to be one of those people in, in a wheel in motion kind of person. And, you know, it, for me, it was just a uh, it was just kind of a frenetic thing for about two hours before, you know, before the thing goes on a ticker. And before all of a sudden now with things like Twitter and obviously, you know, the message boards are, are, are crazy places with when Twitter you just see it so fast or whatever I mean I don't think I tweeted about it for about an hour just because you know I was on the phone with people constantly and it's almost uh, the last thing that you need know, to you know, get to but uh, it's a different world with with this with stories and breaking news now because honestly I was talking to a few people who were uh, coaches about this later that night there's very few people really care about you know who has the story first that you obviously don't want to be wrong But it's, you know, at the end of the day, shortly thereafter, it goes on the ticker. Maybe, you know, in this case, I'm guessing it was probably 20 minutes after, you know, USC is sending out a release to all the local media saying this is what happened. At that point, it doesn't matter, you know, where the story came from, because then the story shifts to really what's what's important, what's going to happen from here. And with so much fallout on the Tennessee side from this, because there was so much chaos, and then obviously... You have you have USC moving forward. I mean, it's just it really spirals out into so many different levels. And like I said, very few people think about where you know what's attached to it beyond that. But uh, it was a crazy couple of days, and it got really crazy Tuesday, Tuesday afternoon, and Tuesday night.
0: Yeah, well, you you mentioned the reaction there too, and that's really interesting. Thanks for sharing that. How that that whole thing goes down. But were you surprised at all by the reaction in Tennessee? I mean. Uh... My fiance is from Tennessee, and she was uh, very upset of all this going down. And the very passionate fans down there—I've been to a couple games uh, at Neyland Stadium—and man, I mean, they really love their Vols. This was like a, a tremendous slap in the face to all the Vol Nation, and they were really pissed off at Lane Kiffin.
1: I was I was a little surprised—not so much about the the venom, but I think to the level of. That it got to where the 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 reports I was hearing made it sound. I was like, wow, that sounds very much like a riot, you know. And and you know, fortunately, no one got hurt or anything like that. But um, you know, when you hear a police presence, and then I don't know, you know, what's what's true and what's not true about what's getting reported there. But you have so many hurt feelings of of fans who bought in, and and you know what? I mean, I give the Tennessee fans credit because Lane Kiffin was a very polarizing figure. And everybody in the SEC was pointing fingers, and the SEC and the Tennessee fans really did seem to buy in. And I think they were going to be very patient and expect. You know what? Phil former didn't leave a great, you know, leave things in a great place. I mean, the program was five and seven, and and you hear all this, you know, all the talk about how there was some discipline issues and different things. And Kiffin goes in there, and I think that there was, you know, it, this is almost to his to his detriment, the fact that because he'd been so much in the news for all these things on the periphery and secondary violations and whether some of this was intentional or not, I think a lot of people forgot that, you know, he actually had a decent year coaching. I mean, they were, they were seven and six, which no, that's not great, but it's better than the five and seven. You saw huge strides that he made as an offensive guy with Jonathan Crompton, the quarterback who had really become a punchline for, for SEC fans. And, and Crompton had a nice senior year. Montario Hardesty, he really turned around, had a really good senior year for Tennessee. And you think about it, I mean, everyone expected them to get blown out at Florida. They were very competitive there. The national champion Alabama team, they went there and came within a block field goal to win. He had them competitive. So, but I had, a lot of people are going to focus on that because, hey, it's Lane Kiffin, and he's an easy target because he's made himself, you know, he's made himself that to a certain extent. But uh, you know, there's a lot of hurt feelings for Tennessee because it's not only him leaving to some other program, but it's what how he left this program recruiting is so such a, as you guys know, recruiting is such a big deal now, bigger than ever. this is puts them in a really bad spot. You know there's a lot of people there who want the athletic director who put his neck out for Lane Kiffin to hire him. They want him fired and you know, I, if I was a Tennessee fan, I'd be really, really ticked off too.
0: What do you make of the whole, there, there's been a lot of criticism of Lane Kiffin. And, uh, you know, you can talk about the package deal and the, the resistance he's bringing in. But just as Lane Kiffin in general, I mean, a lot of people feel he doesn't deserve this job. He's He hasn't earned this job. But, I mean, if I think he did a smart thing a few years back when he went to the Raiders. And I, I remember talking about this on the message boards when people said, you're an idiot for taking the Oakland Raiders job and i i couldn't have disagreed with them more saying that look he doesn't if he succeeds in Oakland he is a god you know if he just does okay he's still a genius and no matter what even if he fails everybody fails there he has now been at 31 the head coach in the NFL a head coach in the NFL which not a lot of people can say that'll open up opportunities and it obviously did for Tennessee and then now for USC. I mean, do you think he doesn't have the the correct credentials to do this? Or, I mean, it just seems like he's a younger guy who's put himself in good positions, and I'm sure he got lucky along the way as well, and, uh, you know, kind of deserved what he got here so far.
1: Well, I, I would say this. Being Monty Kiffin's son has definitely opened up a lot of doors for him. And then because of that, you know, obviously Pete Carroll has has, has such a connection to the Kiffin family that that has, has given him amazing opportunities. I also think, you know, he, he hired the right agent. Jimmy Sexton has so much pull in in the SEC, but especially Jimmy Sexton is a Tennessee guy. He went there, and he really was able to get Lane Kiffin that job. I wonder, you know, how easily he – what would be if Lane didn't take that that Raiders job. I know Sark supposedly had the chance to to go after it, and – You know, in a way, he has taken a huge hit on his reputation. You know, coming out. A lot of people are looking at this now, saying, "You know what? Some of those things that Al Davis, you know, crazy old Al Davis said. You know what? Maybe we shouldn't. Maybe he was right this time, or whatever." I'm sure Tennessee fans feel feel that way. And uh, I, I I will say this about him, just because he is a very very complicated guy. You know, you see him in front of these press conferences. And he's swaying, and he, looks, he doesn't look entirely comfortable. And you, you hear the old quotes from what he said when he got to Tennessee, and you see the, you know, him calling out Urban Meyer, and, and there's, there's just so much there. Now, I talked to a coach who worked with, with Lane, who's probably not going to be on the USC staff, and said he actually is a brilliant football mind in terms of some of the things he can do and play calling and his instincts for football. He said you know, he just, he know, he knows what he's doing. He said the other stuff around him, he said he is he is madden- maddeningly disorganized. And he said, use the term, I think he really could use a guidance counselor. And I think some of that comes from, you know, being young. And I think that there was a lot of people who were like, well, he's going to have to grow into the job at Tennessee. I think he's going to have to grow into the job here at USC as well. And he's, he's going to need support beyond just the the other assistant coaches he has because – The spotlight is going to be so much bigger at USC, not only because of what happened at Tennessee, but just even, you know, he's replacing Pete Carroll, they have the Reggie Bush probation stuff, and the way, you know, his first day on the job, you know, the press conference came down. I mean, I, I keep going back to Tennessee, it was like never a dull moment with him, you know, always something. You know, if you're a USC fan, or you know, more specifically, if you're if you're Mike Garrett, you, I don't think you want this thing to be in the news. You don't want to be on a topic bar on PTI every other day. That's not <laughs> going to be a good thing. You know, just, just you know what, get 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 the program going, get it get it moving, go through signing day, and then let's just go to work. You know, the other stuff, I don't think. You know, I th- I think it's something that you just don't want to see USC football being talked about a ton till you know till spring football at this point because there's been so so much stirred up. I I just I just think it it's something that he probably needs to needs to lay low or try to try to fight his instincts
0: and just. Just keep it calm. He at least said that much yesterday, and I think Shelly Smith did an interview with him as well, but he said almost the same things during the press conference. It, it, I think you're right. He needs to just do his job. They recruit well. Right now you got to recruit well, and then you got to coach well when, when the spring and stuff comes along. But he doesn't – I think he gets that he – or at least someone told him <laughs> that he doesn't need to make a big splash like he felt he did, and you could argue for or against that, but he did put the Tennessee program back into – the limelight when he got there and made all his controversial statements and the secondary violations and all that stuff. Do you think he does understand that he doesn't need to do that? I mean, he said so much that he doesn't need to make a big splash at USC. It's already there. It's where you want to be. He just has to do his job. Do you think it's going to be able to resist temptation and do that?
1: I don't know. That's a, that is a great question because as you were saying, I was thinking about it. I think he understands, but I think one of the things that is hard and I notice this with a lot of football coaches it's, they they understand that they take a step back, but sometimes they have a hard time fighting their urges. Because these guys, whether it's Urban Meyer, and I'm not making excuses for Urban Meyer or whatever, but they, you know, will say this, say all the right things in front of a podium or whatever, but then when it comes to actually doing it, their instincts are because they are so, you know, such Type A personalities and so driven. To, and, so, and, and so really consumed by some of these things that I think it's very hard for them to always, to always see the big picture and go, you know what, that's probably not a smart move. it's One, it's going to look bad, and two, it just doesn't even make sense. And so that's why I said Lane Kiffin is going to need somebody close to him, whether it's an assistant AD or, or you know, I don't know if it's somebody on his staff or, or whoever in the athletic department to be close to say, you know what? No, that's, I know what you're thinking, dial it down. And that's, that's going to be the big issue with him. I think if he's able to just, to not be Lane Kiffin all the time, it'll probably be, be a good thing for USC. You know, (laughs) I I wonder if he can, if he can, if he can control himself or or kind of, kind of resist some of those urges.
0: Well, it will make it an interesting run. So we're all going to be, uh, following that before we let you go i wanted to talk about the assistants real quick or however long i mean we don't want to keep you i know you got a lot of stuff to do but um ed orgeron someone that you know really well you wrote the book meat market while following him around for a year while he was the head coach at old miss uh i guess you wouldn't expect anything less from ed orgeron to already be you know before before they're even announced to, to have some controversy going on with him with recruiting i mean everyone knows he's a tireless recruiter and uh I think that's going to be one of the big aspects he brings to USC. He, he's coached some great defensive lines at Miami. You covered him there, uh, you know, especially you know at USC as well. There's a bunch of first-round draft picks and stuff with that. How do you think it's going to fit back for him coming back to Los Angeles? And what did you make of all the controversy that was kind of stirred up recently with him?
1: Well, a little bit of the same thing with with with, with Lane, where it's almost like you almost have to dial it down and resist the urge to. You know, the, the one thing I kind of wondered out of this is these kids who, you know, were call, contacted at Tennessee. I wondered is like, are these kids actually any better than the kids that USC, you know, are already in like, you know, already on USC's board? Yeah. Like, because... did, you, did you
0: need to really even do that even if you wanted? It just didn't It seemed like overkill.
1: Yeah. Well, well whether whatever it's whether it's, you know, ethically aside from that. I just was thinking, you know what, if you want to call if you're calling a kid or to say hey, you know what, we we're, we're, we're leaving, we're going to USC, we wanted you to hear from us, whatever, you know, but if you're recruiting the kid, you it's not like you're going to UNLV or it's not like you're going to to uh, Memphis. I mean, it's USC. Most of the guys who are on the recruiting board, I mean, they're they're probably as good if not better than those, you know, than maybe the kids that he was talking to. I don't know. I mean, obviously that that stuff remains to be seen. But so on that sense, I thought it was, you know, it's obviously it's an awkward moment and it's an awkward situation. It's an awkward situation to begin on. But, uh, you know, he once told me or he said this in a, in a staff meeting when he was at Ole Miss and I used it in the book, you know, all's fair and love and recruiting. And I think that they are very aggressive recruiters. I mean, whether it's, you know, it, it it may not be against the rules, but it's probably something that a lot of people are uncomfortable with. Now I you know, there were people at, at the uh at the coaches convention who would say, you know what, that's you shouldn't be doing stuff like that, other coaches. At the same time, most of those other coaches are also gonna say, you know what, we never rec- we never negative recruit and a lot of coaches never say they never do it, but uh, you know, we all know they a lot of them actually do. So I know this he uh He really when when he was back at Ole Miss, and we I asked him a bunch of stuff about Southern California. I know how much his family liked Southern California, and being a guy who didn't grow up around around USC or in Los Angeles, I didn't know a ton about the history of USC. And he would go in and talk about uh, the history and what USC meant to him. And this is a guy who's from Louisiana. He's not a guy who who grew up, you know you know, grew up with John McKay and that, and that era. But he talked about, you know, talking to some of these former USC assistants from the, you know, from the John Robinson days and the John McKay days and what they told him about what USC is. And, and this was kind of a pedestal school to him. You know, I know he's always been close to the boosters, a a bunch of the boosters here. And, um, you know, I'm not surprised. I mean, whether, whether, whether Lane was here or not, you know, I, I, I always had the back of my mind. I could see him coming back here just because he had such a strong feeling about USC. I mean, it was he, he. It was very different. You know, to hear him talk, he he had this reverence of when he was at Ole Miss. He he would love to go into these big SEC stadiums. You know, whether it was Tiger Stadium or you know to to go play Alabama in their place because of the history of what those places represented in the atmosphere. And he has that same connection to the Coliseum and the USC. So I'm, I'm not at all surprised he's here. You know, for the rest of the staff, when I heard, you know, some of the names, obviously Chow's name came up came up early and, you know, who knows, uh, you know, who, how, how if that's entirely done or not. But, uh, you know, Tim Davis was another name. And I know that, you know, Ogeron was close to Tim Davis. I know that, you know, I, I was. Had heard that well, maybe Tim Davis and, and Lane Kiffin weren't the greatest fit and all, but he was a guy who uh, you know had some good years here at USC and knows that that scheme that that Lane wants to run, that Pete ran offensively, that, that liked. So we'll see. I'm curious to see what other guys with the USC connections may may end up on this staff. Said so it's going to be an interesting month leading up to signing day and beyond to see just not um, staff and also the direction of how things go and. And it's going to be crazy to see uh see how signing day ends up playing out for these guys here and and obviously at Tennessee too.
0: Yeah, it's uh, looks like USC is trying to get the gang back together and uh I hopefully no none of the Trojan fans wish any ill will towards the uh Tennessee Nation. Not just because I live with a Tennessee Vol fan, but you never want to see <laughs> you never want to see something like that happen to a a program like that, a good program and there's a lot of great fans down there. Uh, at Tennessee, so we uh, we yeah. The other
1: part it. of that is, I always think there's an element of karma. You know, I I remember seeing this with Florida State, Florida, Miami fans. If you start cheering when you hear one of their players has a legal trouble, like two days later, I remember one of the other schools, then their player got into it. And when the other fan base got into it, then their player gets in trouble. It's, I mean, it's weird how things work out. I mean, you just, you know, obviously both programs. Kiffin said this at his press conference. Tennessee is a great big-time program. It has 100,000, 110,000-seat stadium. Fan, fan base is amazing. Um, and USC is a big-time school. I just think you know, they're different in what they are. and Ultimately, and, and it may be as simple as this for a lot of people, and I'm sure this is something that Tennessee fans and SEC fans would, would appreciate or, or kind of grasp, Lane Kiffin probably has a much better chance of winning a national title at USC than I think he does at Tennessee. Because at Tennessee, he's got, to, he's got to deal with Nick Saban, and also LSU and Urban Meyer or Florida and, you know, and whoever else. When you're at USC, you are the big guy in the conference. There's no conference title game to play. You know? And I talked to, some, I talked to one Pac-10 head coach who said, in our league, it's USC and then everybody else. So, you know what? On that sense, it makes, it makes, a, lot of, it makes a lot of sense.
0: Well, Bruce, thank you very much for joining us. It's uh, always great to get your insights and stuff. And I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon down the road. Keep uh try to keep a little busy here. I know it's been slow for you, but just get yeah, some work done. Yeah, I know.
1: I know it's been. A, uh, hopefully, things will slow down a little bit once the uh, once the Tennessee hire comes through.
0: Yeah, that'll be the next big thing coming up. But thanks again, Bruce. Everyone else, we will talk to you next week on the Peristyle Podcast. This has been the Trojan Blast.